Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Welcome to the 185th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Alex Schwartz and Ryan Godoy. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Unlow. Today we've got Kimmy Gatewood on the show. You'll recognize her from... One of the beatdown biddies on the Netflix show Glow. Did you did you like my bash impression? Oh no, ready? I didn't realize it was sure, a bash ready? impression, yeah. but now I realize. Today that. we've got Kimmy Gatewood, one of the beatdown biddies, and also a director from the hit Netflix show Glow. That's pretty good. They, I I feel like you know it's not often you get to do a bash from Glow impression. Yeah, so I thought I'd go for it. And it's not often you see Bash from Glow at Cafecito Organico, but I did oh, a few dang. days ago. So funny. It's really funny. So we talked to Kimmy about her career in comedy. She started in digital, kind of just like us, and also on stage, unlike us. She broke out uh, on the show Glow and managed to leverage that into a super exciting, super impressive career in directing, because she kind of realized like that that was a passion of hers as well, and managed to make the transition while she's still on this television show. So it's a really great conversation with Kimmy about the ins and outs of just kind of like growing as a performer and, and figuring out what you want to do behind the camera as well and what your your strengths and weaknesses are. But also I think the moral of the story that's so interesting is that it still always boils down to relationships. And because Kimmy spent so much time in clubs, in theaters, kind of doing the traditional actor thing, she's got this awesome network of people to talk to now that she's she's got kind of this heat as a director yeah no this is awesome i mean not only is she on yeah netflix's glow which is a show that i really like glow but she's directed crazy ex-girlfriend she directed a show for youtube red she directed some episodes for the new apple streaming service so she's doing all sorts of cool things she's doing a movie she's pitched for studio films and what i like about this interview is we have a lot of directors that just kind of made like one thing and that was like what sky what kind of got them to the next big thing that got them to level up and it's not that that's not Kimmy's story but it is but Kimmy really is kind of like a journeyman director I mean she directed and directed and directed she did digital stuff branded stuff like music videos like oh we're just gonna do that. can you just direct the snapchat videos for Joel McHale or something and 
through just doing that and hustling and still making her own short films, which is, I think, the most impressive thing, which right. is even when you're getting paid to direct, like how do you go and direct the stuff that you really love and show people your voice? And she did that. And so it, it's a really fun conversation about, you know, directing and how a three to four year process to become a famous TV director. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's basically overnight. It's also nice. Kimmy is quite funny. So that's a treat as well. Yes. But before we get into that, we've got a Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash just shoot it pod. It's a place where you can throw a few bucks if you like the show. I mean, we heard Kimmy's husband likes the show. If uh, you feel like you are listening on a weekly basis and some decisions that you have made on set have been directly affected by what you've learned on the podcast, then maybe you think that's worth a dollar a month. And hey, if you give us $10, even if it's just for one month, we will send you a Just Shoot It podcast hat, which have been big hits. A lot of people have changed their patronage to $10 just to get that hat and then change it right back down once they get the hat. Hey, man, whatever's clever. You know, uh, the other thing you can do if you really want that hat, you're not sure if you want to like subscribe to Patreon, whatever, that's not your bag. You can also buy a hat as, oh, a, really? as an add-on to our live show. Oh. Our, our live show here in Los Angeles, October 20th. With It's a genre director's Halloween spectacular, but uh, I added a little add-on if you want to go ahead and uh, grab a hat. For an extra 25 bucks, you can get that hat. Oh, damn. I didn't know that. That's I, t- I sent you the email, buddy. Take a look. We I think we talked about it on the show. I don't think we have. You should listen to it. It's a good, good episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyhow, without further ado, here's our sponsor. We're here with Zach Lepofsky of Shotlister. Now, Zach, your app lets you keep track of shots when you're on set. But for me, whenever I have like an iPad or any sort of like device, I feel like I'm always like putting it down and losing it somewhere. I like love having the paper in my hand. So is, does Shotlister have any solution for that? Or do I have to carry a, a laptop with me everywhere? We are friendly to the, uh, you know, to the techno phobics out there. We, uh, we, we have the ability to export this PDF that comes with all of your shot lists really well kind of printed out. It looks as, as sexy as a PDF could look. That's how sexy this PDF looks. And I've found it surprising just by like printing out the shot lists and like handing them out to people to show like what we're gonna be doing on the days. They're suddenly like super impressed. You're saying making your shot list on Shotlister is the equivalent of like putting your book report in a in a plastic folder before <laughs> you. Turn it into Very class. true. If you're in a situation where maybe the producers or the crew are starting to be like, I don't know if this person can do it. I guarantee if you print out your shot list and circulate it and just everyone will immediately be impressed and realize, oh, wait, they do have a plan. If you print out an Excel sheet, it just kind of looks like you've been, you know, working on Excel and it's all just kind of hard to never prints out right. But our PDFs are formatted to print out perfectly every time. This is as much a promotion of Shotlister as it is a takedown of Microsoft Excel. (laughs) (laughs) If you have a copy of Excel, but you don't have a copy of Shotlister, Zach, what do you do? Well, first of all, Excel costs like, what, $100 or something? Isn't it? (laughs) At least, I think. Uh, Shotlister only costs $14, but for you, it's free. Isn't that crazy? And when you say for you, you mean literally anyone listening right now. Anyone listening right now, all you have to do is email justshootitpod at shotlister.com. Say that you heard about us talking about Shotlister. Tell us what version of Shotlister you want. You can either have iOS, macOS, or Android. And uh, we're giving away free 
copies, 50 every month. So if you don't get one this month, email us next month and we'll send you one. Hey, we are here with Kimmy Gatewood. How's it going? <laughs> hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah. You Thanks know, so much for, for coming. It's a beautiful yeah. night. Yeah. And Kimmy, I don't yeah. think we've talked about, uh, I saw your short, Control. Oh, thank you. At a Damn Shorts Film Festival, like probably That's... two years ago now. What? Yeah, yeah. And it uh, killed. It was great. <laughs> yeah, so fun. <laughs> Pun Ooh. intended. Yikes. Ooh. <laughs> Excuse me. It's um, a short about suicide. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but thank you. Kimmy, our listeners will probably recognize you most as uh, one of the beatdown biddies. Hey. From Glow, yeah, from Glow, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, Wait, but in season three, you change characters, right? So in season two, we turn into the Toxic Twins, where I played Nuke, Um, and uh, which it was uh, really fun. The the wrestling characters, because I come from a sketch comedy background, so they basically let they wrote a couple lines of dialogue and then let us improvise most of the time. So Rebecca Johnson, who plays. Um, Dawn on the show, we got cast together. Like in your a, audition? Yeah, as a comedy duo. We were brought in as a comedy duo. Did you oh, know her? cool. Yeah. So, so we, we, you were partners before we that were, then? We've yeah. been comedy partners for 12 years. Cool. We, we started in a comedy group called the Apple Sisters. We, we, we taught improv at the People's Improv Theater in New York. And so we've been comedy partners for 12 years. And our uh, we have a, we, there's a third girl in the three the Apple Sisters, and she moved to Las Vegas to do Jersey Boys, and Rebecca and I stayed in Los Angeles, and we're kind of just like uh, hustling away, and uh, we got this call to go in together, and I was about to quit acting. <laughs> I was like, this is enough. I've I've done it. Sure. Were you I doing was, like live shows every week, like kind of killing yourself in the comedy yeah, scene? I definitely grinded it out in New York for sure. I started at the UCB. Did you guys do a, a like a internet sketch called Drippin's Gravy? Yes, we did. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, yeah. How do you know that? <laughs> I used to work in the internet. I was, <laughs> like, Matt worked at Comedy Central, and yeah. his job was to know who's funny. Yeah. That's a, I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Drippin's Gravy. Yeah. yeah, yeah the yeah. champagne of gravy. <laughs> It was, yeah, we did a live comedy show for, we started in New York and we came out to LA. We did Largo, we did uh, the UCB and um, we did a lot of internet videos like, they're not internet videos, they're regular movies. Sure, they're like just, we have to stop, yeah, yeah, stop the a, stigma. Yeah. Um, yeah, comedy is what yeah, you were doing. Comedy, we were doing yeah, yeah. comedy. And uh, yeah, we we started doing it because I really just like thought that I was like this is just the next the next level for us. And then a weird we it's a 1940s comedy show, so like yeah, you super you run into a current. lot of like when you put it on film, you're suddenly like, oh, this is a <laughs> shitty 40s. <laughs> you know I mean? like, yeah. This doesn't look as good yeah, yeah, as yeah. Uh, Mad yeah. Men. <laughs> Did you study acting? I studied acting at Syracuse University. I was either going to go to Maryland to be a biomedical researcher or <laughs> theater at Syracuse, which I was the first person in my family to go to college, so I'm sure my parents were thrilled. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, good. You're like, oh, wait, theater? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the theater arts. Cool. I see. Cool. While you were doing all of the kind of the sketches and all that stuff, were yeah. you directing those videos or like when did you first decide to step behind the camera? In earnest, I, I, I was doing theater directing, so I did theater directing in college because it it's funny how it it all is very circular. Like I was frustrated with the part the parts that I was not getting in college, like was in the theater parts. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. Like there was like you know they do two main stage shows a year, and there was like one funny girl in every uh, play, maybe. 
Right. And you're all fighting for the two girl parts, uh, whatever. I just got annoyed, so I put on the female version of The Odd Couple in college, and my mm-hmm. professor was like, You're like, oh. now there's two roles yeah. for fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that was like your pitch? Like, let's do The Odd Couple with two females? No, it's Neil Simon wrote it as a female version of The Odd Couple. Sally Struthers was in the original Broadway version. Oh, cool. And, Is that true? Um, I, I, yes. Oh, wow. There was no two, it was, it's uh, six like six female lead cast and then two guys. So my college professor was like, that can't be funny with women. And I was like, all right, the fire is lit. <laughs> and like, it was a huge hit for the three nights who played. Sure, sure. <laughs> <You know>? totally. <laughs> so um, I, I was always afraid of the camera. Obviously, like wanted to be in a TV act, a theater actor, like a proper theater actor and thought, you know, TV's like, you'll get there one day and kind of grinded it out in live theater for a long time. And then I met a woman in New York and we decided to make a documentary film. Oh, interesting. Yes. So I don't even remember exactly how it started, but she had been working on another documentary and she was like, I want to make a documentary too. And I was like, yeah, let's make a documentary film. So we found the subject. His name is MC Frontalot. I, and the, the the nerd rapper, yeah, sure. nerdcore hip hop rapper. Yeah. We, uh, but you started with like, oh, let's just make a documentary, and then decided to find a subject. No, no, no. We we knew what our subject okay, was going okay. to be. We'd been pitching television shows, like we'd been like, <laughs> remember, remember the time of VH1 where it was just like sexiest celebrities sure. ever. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. We were just constantly pitching yeah, yeah. television shows that were basically like celebrities, crazy shoes, or whatever. Right, we, were right. just, we wanted to be working television so bad. Sure. And then we found this guy who rapped about the internet and Dungeons and Dragons. And I, it, I, it's kind of insane the way it happened because I, I think just coming from comedy and theater, you just say, I'm going to do something and then you do it. You know, you just find a black box and you do it. Right. So we raised, I got $5,000 from the bar owner that I worked at. I worked at a bar called Off the Wagon, Danny Thomas's. The other guy, Ted, gave me $5,000 and her parents gave her like 10 or something. Then we bought two DVX 100Bs. Sure. Classic. Classic. Tape. I, I do love, Orin would always gives me a hard time about talking about that camera. They're the fucking best. It did change a lot of people's lives though. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like the first time where I was like, oh, you can make a real movie with this. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, what are they... The cameras that are the news cameras. Oh, know, oh, oh, an ENG en- camera. ENG, yeah, yeah, yeah ENG. Yeah. They were, they were kind, kind of, kind of like that. Yeah, but you could shoot. Those were the first ones that would shoot twenty four p. So it was like, mm-hmm. oh, now this looks filmic. Right? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. So we bought those cameras. I taught myself sound. So I learned how to use the camera. I learned how to operate sound, uh, like to record sound. So it was me and her. We hired a, a DP to run one camera while we run, ran the other camera. And we went on tour with this band on their first national tour. They gave us their, they got two hotel rooms. They gave us, so it was the film crew was me, her, and this this DP. And we just stayed in the other hotel room while the band's. (laughs) (laughs) That is pretty generous of them, though. It was so nice. Yeah. I mean, they were, but they weren't like your typical band. You're just like, we're going on a band tour like cocaine and hookers. It was just like, like full on Magic the Gathering. (laughs) They taught me how to play it. Yeah, it's pretty fun, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but the fans were really nice. We followed them around. I 
like didn't know I didn't know what I was doing, but I just knew I wanted to do it. And what I knew that I was really good at was talking to people and getting stories out of people because I had worked with a lot of solo uh-huh. performers on the stage. Interesting. I, yeah. I directed a lot of solo shows, so it was all about storytelling. So like The Moth, for example, or um, I worked with this woman, uh, Kirsten Ames, who's now a manager. She, she taught a solo show workshop. So I would ask people their, their stories and we would get it out of them. So I got a really good candid moments from the um the the people from, yeah from nerds <laughs> yeah, yeah sure yeah he's like i didn't understand yeah. hip-hop and now he's talking about ram and i love it so much well and, it was the first the, the documentary was about like following this band at first and then it slowly became about the democratization of music because itunes had just come out youtube had just come out and also in addition it was just finding niche marketing and the nerd had become cool like yeah. it's just like because we started yeah, it's, in 2005 it's yeah it it eventually we finished it and it went premiered at south by southwest in 2008 so it was i realized documentaries are only for rich people sure yeah that, that is unfortunately true yeah. true-ish maybe like you need so much money and so like much making time. documentaries yeah it, it just takes so much time and money and like we didn't pay ourselves and i got like the biggest argument i got in with my like fellow producer was like i was like we can't afford to pay ourselves she's like i need to live and i was like no we're fine (laughs) we're splitting a free hotel room three ways i feel like nowadays it seems like documentaries there is like kind of a pathway to making a living especially with netflix there's a market for them which is nice right so which didn't exist right yeah yeah yeah, that's true and there's a, a greater demand for them well, yeah, we've had some doc filmmakers on here. We had like someone that does Chef's Table. We had someone that had a show on Showtime, um, th- like a doc show. Mm-hmm. I think there's like, it seems like there's more, nowadays there's more of a way in through documentary to get paid, which didn't exist back then in 2005. But there is the sort of long form waiting game sort of documentary that is oh, still God. occupied occupied yeah. by people who know how to get grants you know like there's a lot there's still like a lot of like publicly funded documentaries i think as well you know yeah i yeah we did not i mean we were really scrappy and we actually the how we finished the movie was we raised money through the mc frontalette's fans like we were like do you want to see this film it was before kickstarter we were like we you you can pay palace money and we'll put your name in the credits (laughs) (laughs) god that is Jimmy, that's like the most 2005 thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much. So it was probably <laughs> illegal at the time. <laughs> probably. Yeah. I we remember. would like send them buttons. Yeah. Like, I remember t-shirts. I tried to like raise money on Craigslist for a movie once. <laughs> and people were like, uh, no, you will go to jail. Yeah. I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah, I directed a play cool. called Kidnapped by Craigslist. Uh, oh, yeah. Cool. yeah. Oh, cool. I did a short called craigslist and it was about this <laughs> guy named so craig mid-2000s <laughs> yeah, sure. right now, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, so kimmy so hot hot mids i don't know <laughs> so did when, the did the documentary you said it, it premiered at south by in mm-hmm. 08 did, yeah was that the thing that kind of launched you or no, like well, tell no. me about the in between time right so it came out in 2008 and i thought this is it i fucking made it and uh, went to South By, and it was so fun, and everybody loved it. And there was even a competing nerdcore documentary at the same time. So, like, our camera crews met one time. We were like, sure. full on jet sharks. <laughs> like, I was like, why am I competing right yeah. now? But, yeah, well, we should yeah. team up, you yeah. guys. Yeah. But, um, Wait, uh, who was the other nerdcore MC? There, there, uh, well, there was a bunch. Which you can't see my documentary anymore because it was streaming on Netflix. And then B Side Films, who was the distributor, 
like went just belly, belly up. up and yeah. so I don't it's just like either on a hard drive or I have a DVD of you yeah, yeah. Uh, just email Kimmy she'll mail you the hard drive just mail it back yeah there's a PayPal button on her <laughs> yeah. website actually yeah. go to KimmyGateWood.com um, uh, well, so what, so what, what was your next <laughs> directing gig basically well after after Nerdcore I went back into acting stuff and I I like tested for SNL at that time. I was like in a, my first independent feature and like it was a lot of just weird things. And this is what always I feel like ha- happened. There is like, you know, every, you guys know everything at once. And um, and so I put directing kind of aside for a little while. And then I jumped on after, basically when I got to L.A., I needed to make money. So I started working in digital so I worked at Maker Studios, oh, worked really? at Hulu, worked what at What did Jash. you do at Maker? I was working on the development team. It was an amazing team. Sam Scharf, who worked with Robert Smigel, um, TV Funhouse. Uh, this guy, Scott Little, who worked at Adult Swim. And Horatio Sands, the comedian from SNL. It was the four of us doing comedy development for Maker. I mean, that sounds Maker. awesome. That <laughs> sounds awesome. It was... Like it was a a, a comically mid two thousands job, sure, yeah. you know. <laughs> it was a startup, and like we started a, above a taco bar was our first office. Then they went the next office they they put us in. There was a Costco nearby, so like I was just like I'm gonna buy some plastic balls and throw them on the ground. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Yeah. There was like an influx of scooters. Then the next office after that, there were definitely ping pong tables. And then like Endemol bought the company and quickly, like probably two weeks later, I was escorted out by security. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I worked for the, I mean, I worked for them and I worked for Hulu. I worked for their recap show and I directed an episode of that. Oh, great. Um, were you, while you were in development, were you yeah. kind of trying to find little opportunities to direct was that always kind of in the back of your mind yeah it was yeah and i wasn't sure why i was afraid i think being a actor and a a woman in the business that i wasn't going to know enough about lenses and gear and you know i think that was like what kind of held me back for a while even though i knew how to operate a camera and i'd have to like preface every interview i had with like i've operated a camera i know how to run sound i know how to edit uh, yeah you like, like made I, a movie that played south by yeah. and it was you and one other person yeah, yeah. i guess what i'm curious but, about because we've yeah. had you know we've had a bunch of actors we had like an actor slash director month of yeah. actors that turned into directors yeah. And I feel like I never got a straight answer from anyone about when you're on set, like, are you mm-hmm. studying the directors that you're working with? Are you studying the DPs, the lighting? The Are you more aware mm-hmm. of the camera and what is happening on set than you would be if all you, you were thinking about was the acting part? Well, now, now I am, but I'm directing television more frequently now, and I'm about to direct my first feature. So now I'm more keenly aware of what I like about directors and what I don't like about directors I think I wasn't able to I think as an actor you, you've, you're not really in a place of power unless you're sure like, bigger you know and and mostly when you're an actor like I am which is like you know somebody works on television occasionally and like sometimes gets a, a lucky break in a independent or whatever but yeah like you're just kind of happy to be here please don't fire me sure. <laughs> now, now that i'm on now will be four seasons of a television show i feel a little more agency and observing and deciding what i do and don't like because like i i personally like hated when before i really decided to become a director in earnest when i just felt like garbage on set but i blamed myself and now i realize that it's more of like a director who doesn't know how to talk to actors oh, or interesting wait yeah. when you say you felt like garbage you mean you felt like unimportant or you felt like you weren't doing a good job both both there's like 
the when you feel like you don't have the opportunity to do your job best when you're just kind of like you're unimportant and like just do it and let's move on kind of thing where you feel like you feel like you're swimming in like you don't know where the camera is <laughs> you don't know where you like you are and like you've read the script but you don't know what where you are in the story it's just kind of like you're plopped on set and expected to know what's going on which is your job I, I think the best actors know what they make sure. a choice, but it's like when you're kind when you have questions and you, your questions are suddenly an inconvenience. People are like, really, just say the fucking lies, you know? Right, like, right, right, right. It's like yeah, yeah. that's not the the and and I'm not a fussy actor, but but that, sometimes those are the you days. just need a little bit of like, hey, remind me what's going on or reorient me or like I had a question about this that was never clear in the script. Right, something's know. changed or sure. I pitched like you know you kind of like pitch like people are very flexible on set like you pitch bits especially in television like. Sure. You're just always trying to find like what organically feels right, but then some sets are not like that. Right. So it's like w- like setting the tone, I think, for the actor because every set is so different that I feel like the best directors will, I think, they'll have you like read the words, then they'll have a rehearsal, work out the kinks so that like writers aren't frustrated, so that the camera people aren't frustrated that you're doing something suddenly out of nowhere, like because otherwise suddenly you're just like here's your blocking now do it and you're just stuck mm-hmm. in a seat or you're stuck right. standing and you not maybe moving. had a great idea or maybe you know who knows right yeah right that's so interesting right let me i have a question i'm curious what sure. you guys um would say so a lot of times well matt and i do a lot of like commercials or one day gigs you know where mm-hmm. we meet the actors on the day of the shoot yeah. And so I always try to go to the makeup trailer or whatever and say like, hey, how's it going? I'm Warren. I'm the director. You know, like, what's going on? Do you have any questions? I loved your audition. You go, boo. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I feel like half the time the actors like don't seem that interested in talking to me. And I'm, I, I don't know. It, it's like some sometimes I'm like hoping that there'll be this like magical connection in the makeup <laughs> chair so that when we get to set, they're comfortable and they're like, hey, I want to do another one or I can do that better. Like, so that that's not the first time we are communicating with each other is when we say action, you know? Do you, do you guys find that? Like, what's your kind of move to, like, make, like, address the issues that you're talking about, which is, like, just getting plopped onto set? I, I think How that, do you address it with actors? I think your thought of going and saying hi early in the day, especially in the chair when you know where they are and, like, things are still getting going is really good. But then I also... I like to just explicitly say like, Hey, this is how I like to run my set. Like we'll do it my way, but like, it's always easier to shoot another take. So if you have an idea, let's do it. Right. Like just kind of saying that plainly at the top, setting those expectations, I think is really valuable. Kimmy, what do you think? You're a good, you're a good director. I I try. I try. (laughs) Well, I think that's good. I think it's good to say hi. I don't, I mean like the, the high in the trailer is just like, Hey, this is my face. I think that's what it is because you can't do work when you're people are like, don't move your face. Don't like other people are trying to do their job. So it's like not really like growing down at that point. I think right. it's just like, I recognize well, you. You recognize me. See you on sure. set. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be in the chair. Bye. <laughs> so you think less is more in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> that's just me personally. Yeah, no, no, but, but I think that's so helpful though because yeah, I think because I'm a lot of times and I, I assume it's different with a. Uh, female actor and a male actor because you know they're just spending a lot more time in the makeup chair than the male actor who's like a lot of times like what's up dude yeah it's cool love the script 
<laughs> and I'm like, the script is horrible, but okay. Um, What's up, bro? Uh, and then the All I hire is guys. <laughs> and the female, oh, wow. the actresses are like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, any questions? Nope. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Happy but to be maybe, here, afraid to lose my job. But That's maybe the they. Yeah, yeah, in the entertainment industry. It's also different if there's like celebrities then the pressure is kind of reversed, right? Yeah, it's like, absolutely. I'm happy to be here and afraid to lose my job. Right, <laughs> that's true. Right. Um, that's totally true. But yeah, okay, well, I think that's helpful. I, I mean, mean, I think, yeah, I think especially because, first of all, like for, for an actor, the hair and makeup trailer is kind of like a safe haven, right? Like you find out the gossip, you find out like sure. who's who, what's Boy, what. That and is like, so real. The gossip mm-hmm. in those trailers is the realest, yeah. right? Like you, because you know, like the hair and makeup people hear all of the good dish yep. and like love to tell you the lay of the land. And I think maybe think it's their job a little bit as well. And it kind of, it's not officially, but it's so nice. Also, it's very helpful because, well, I got really frustrated on set because like a, a young actor had like their, their dog passed away. This like, is you acting or directing? This is me directing. And usually like the people that find that out first are the hair and makeup trailer and you like you rely, I would rely on them to tell me if something was wrong with an actor, uh-huh. if they're having a bad day, if they're having a good day, like, because it's just like getting a haircut, at least, you know, in the salon or whatever, like, or the barbershop, people just yammer about their, sure. their true yeah. feelings. And like, you have to, like, that, that is an important part, unspoken rule or like thing that you yeah, have I was gonna on say, set. Do you, you know? ever kind of like, you know, mention that to your team? Like, say like, hey, if you guys ever catch wind of anything, like. You well, know, it's not or is me. It... I mean, TV directing, no, but film directing, yes. But producers have that, and like they will, they will tell you if something is happening. So, like, it's it's like it. it there are spies it, everywhere. Is what yeah. Saying. <laughs> yeah. Actors but, listening but, at home. But you know, like <laughs> if it, the, but, you, know, you wouldn't yeah. start with her coverage, and like right. did yeah. start with her coverage, and it backfired. You know, and if sure. I had oh. known, I would have changed my day a little bit yeah you know yeah. <laughs> so. i've definitely been in like both know. situations one where people are like oh no that actor is like a real a-hole or whatever you know and they're like kind of <laughs> are building up this drama and then i meet them like uh, they're like fine they yeah. just seem normal they just hadn't had their coffee yet or whatever yeah um and then i've had the opposite where we're working all day we're shooting everything is going great and i'm like super happy at the end of the day and then the producer usually Eben Kosmar, this guy I used to work with a lot. What up, Eben? Would be like, oh my God, we dodged such a bullet. You know, Kimmy showed up to set and said she wasn't doing it. She was about to get in the car and leave and we like begged her. And, and I'm like, what? All of that <laughs> happened? Like I had no idea. It was just. So nice to me. Yeah. yeah. My rule is I, I will believe someone if like word on the street is that they're so nice. That, I think you can believe that. I think if they're not, like if someone's like, look out, they're in a bad mood or whatever, I would take that with a big grain of salt because I think that people love to talk about how moody actors are or performers in general. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, just But they're really just vulnerable. Yeah. 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 And you also have to have the, the entryway into their process and res- I, I've worked with a different another, enough kind of different actors that I know a lot of entryways into actors processes and you can read the room yeah like a lot of a lot of friends of mine like they're they're just like happy to be here what do you need i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a choice please adjust me accordingly some people don't want to be told what to do a lot of tv actors like you know who've been doing it for a long time like being being on a show for three seasons now about to go into the fourth one right i know my character better than some 
director directors. Who, who's who's just kind of like coming in for a when, couple episodes when, yeah. at the most. Yeah. yeah, I mean, probably better than all directors that aren't like part of the show, right? Yes. And, well, and Glow doesn't have like a producing director or anything. So, like, uh, we have different directors pretty much every episode. We have ones that come back, but you know, we know our characters better than yeah. they know our characters. So if they're gonna say you guys sit together and we say no yeah it's because we know our characters right we've we've been in like a three arc fight or like a three uh, episode fight sure sure <laughs> like right. we sit yeah. next to each other hey, it's gonna be weird yeah. you know so you guys have had some awesome directors like lynn shelton didn't she oh yeah i love much? lynn shelton Cl- claire scanlon yeah um, i saw allison Bree directed an episode allison Bree i was like she's episode. not much she's not really in this episode it's kind of weird sure. yeah and, and then yeah. i was like oh <laughs> see yeah yeah, we had some great. We have uh, some terrific directors. Jesse Perez did our pilot. Oh, oh yes. cool! That's yeah. awesome. And yeah. um, he's directed at least one or two episodes every season. And uh, I've learned a lot. And it was, I think, because I was about to quit acting, run a podcast network, <laughs> but then, <laughs> but then I got glow. Um, <laughs> but then I, um, then then I started doing directing in earnest. And it was because of glow that the opportunity to direct. Uh, I had more visibility and I used that to actually get a directing career instead uh, of an acting career. Interesting. So, so elaborate on mm-hmm. that a little bit, right? So you're, mm-hmm. you've got the show. It's like, especially it, out of the gate, it's white hot, right? Like yeah. everybody knew like, oh, this is special. This is kind of like a big marquee show mm-hmm. for Netflix. So you're like, oh, you know, I've always wanted to direct. I'm on this hit show. Mm-hmm. Hire me? Like, how does it work? What did you do? So before... Before Glow, I had been doing Rachel Bloom's videos, music videos from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. But yeah, I directed Rachel Bloom's music videos. Which videos did you do? I did I Don't Care About Award Shows. Uh I did Lady Boss. Sure. I did her Planned Parenthood videos. There was one called, uh, there was like the Vagina Game Show. And uh, there was uh, something about STDs. They were great. They were on Refinery29. Classics. Classic (laughs) vagina stuff. Um, funny enough, the episode of Crazy Ex Girlfriend I did was um, all about vaginas, and we also share a gynecologist. Oh, <laughs> me and Rebecca. Wait, <laughs> I sorry. mean, no, Rachel. <laughs> what uh, what episode of Crazy Ex Girlfriend? did you I do? did the cats episode. Oh sure, yeah, fucked on a cat. Four, oh, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 four oh nine. Gotcha. Epi- uh, season four, episode nine. Um, it was the one where Rebecca Bunch um ha- gets like a yeast infection. <laughs> Uh-huh. And it manifests as like, or she wants to have sex, and it manifests as a singing cat, played by Ricky Lindholm, and then of Garfunkel and Oates, among many things. And then the next cat that came out was uh, Itchy Cat, because she got a, a yeast infection, sure. and that was played by Fred Armisen. And then, <laughs> then there was Funky Cat, sure, who was played by to- um, uh, Todd Recall. Oh, wow. And then Happy Cat, when she finally got laid by Rebecca Johnson. And then um, Nostalgia Cat, played by Megan Amram. (laughs) And how involved... So you directed just one episode of the show. Yeah, yeah. And obviously that... That was a huge deal, obviously. First network television show was Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. How involved were you in casting those people that you just named as the cats? They were... I uh, I have a great relationship with Rachel and Aline, the showrunner. And they were definitely more open to, like... My uh, your feedback, your input, yeah. my input, That's you know, cool. for guest stars. And Rebecca, my comedy partner and slash glow com- 
like also knows Rachel for many years too. Like we were like, she'd be great for this. And you know, so Megan was that, would be great for that. So. Was that the first gig after glow that you were like, Oh, I'm going to like make no. this happen. You well, let me, it. let me back sure. up. Um, Sorry, so the I first, got a crazy the, girlfriend. No, so yeah, I know. I, I, like, what? I, I miss that show so yeah. much. I wish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, seriously. I, I, I'd have another season or five. Um, so the first. So when I was pregnant with my first, uh, my my child, I was working digital, doing some acting, like a lot of Conan bits, <laughs> and um, couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. My husband was, is also a director. He was unavailable to do this digital pilot, and said you should do it. I was scared shitless. Like I had directed a bunch of digital things at Hulu Maker, blah, 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 um, at Jash. And I was did uh, directed some of Norm MacDonald's live show on Jash. We can get into that if you guys want to talk about it. But I was scared. And it was a 12-minute pilot. But he said, you should do it. So I just said, yes, kind of blindly. Of course I can do this. I just kind of tricked my brain into thinking I could do it. And then that got picked up for 10 episodes by Lexus. So it was branded content and Comedy Central. Uh-huh. Okay. So Wait, what, what show was this? Junketeers? Oh, no, did not. Yeah. Well, it was uh, out of New York. Gotcha. The New York office did it. Okay. Um, and then this, then the same production company, I directed another pilot and it's called Hyperlinked and that got picked up for 10 episodes at YouTube Red in gotcha. the 10, 22 minute episodes. So yeah. it, I kind of, I've been doing comedy sketches and music videos and then I got these two series kind of back to back and I was like, maybe I should be doing this in earnest. Sure. And then I did Control and that, is the thing that truly opened the doors for oh, me. That was before that was the short film. The short film I did. That's so, so fascinating. That's worth kind of pointing out to people, though, right? Because I think mm-hmm. it would be easy to think like, oh, well, you did these other series, and so it kind of just snowballs from there. But and the YouTube show is like a TV show. It was a full television show, yeah, 10, 22-minute episodes. And was it DGA? I, uh, that was not DGA. That was non-union. And I did five out of the ten because I was I was doing Glow, so I would leave the set of Glow and go and direct my block of this television show. I mean, fuck yeah, <laughs> right? It's pretty excellent. And you were living in New York? No, I was in L.A. Oh, I was okay. in L.A. I moved in L.A. in 2008, 2008, yeah. But, but the, so, mm-hmm. so Control, it played a lot of places. It played right? a lot of places. Yeah, so it was kind of like... And it's a Vimeo staff pick now, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, it's made the the round. It's like a successful short, but it's interesting. It's still just like a proper short film, right? It's like yeah. one character in a single location, kind of like, you know, a well-executed example of just like a simple short short. And where did, yeah. it, where did it premiere? Palm Springs. Oh, cool. Which and was amazing. So it after season one of Glow, it was after the election, I was feeling depressed. <laughs> Well, and my writing partner, Allison, and I decided to make this short because I had been doing a lot of sketch. I've been doing a lot of like hyperlinked was uh, like 12 year olds, which that was awesome. But like I hadn't really kind of showed showcased the voice that was that I wanted to. So this was my opportunity to explore what I love the most, which is dark comedy and exploring difficult topics and control we made by ourselves so that I directed it my husband ran sound Devin Doyle was the DP and Allison wrote and starred in it and that was our whole crew we did it in three and a half days with uh and then we didn't do our seed and spark fundraiser until after we had finished it so I edited the film and then did most of the the sound edit and then William McGugan and I got a colorist and stuff after we so I, I put it together sent, submitted it to, to Palm Springs as a deadline three weeks after we shot it 
and it got in yeah, yeah. to Palm Springs on the rough cut. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, like, and how long was it? It was 14 minutes. So it started when I submitted it, it was about 16 minutes. Okay. And then I cut two minutes out. That's, that's, a, um, that's a pretty good sweet spot for like a like a serious short film right yeah it means a comedy but a dark comedy but but, but you just yeah. mean like i mean like, like a, oh like a, a like a like something that you can say help legit or because like i a cap, a capital s short film <laughs> yeah well like yeah. something look it, to me like the difference between the youtube video and the short film and this is totally not true what i'm about to say but it's that one of them can kind of be like what you're saying it can be the calling card the staff pick this is like an example of me directing at my best this is like what i do and what my mm-hmm. voice is and then a youtube video is like hey we thought it would be funny if like people fart yeah. on each other yeah. <laughs> that is Which, funny though yeah yeah and so. a lot of times your youtube video will get eight million views and your short will get sure 8, like, views. hundred oh, yeah. percent but that short so many is, laurels though <laughs> yeah 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 how many festivals did it get into actually I, the last time I checked, it was like 38, but then we just played another one. Yeah, yeah. 38. This. That's a fuck ton. That's so many. <laughs> we won 11 yeah. awards. Yeah, yeah. Wait, when did you shoot it? In 2017, I think. Okay. So not and that it, long ago. No. 2017, we shot it. And then, yeah, I got into Palm Springs, same year. And so this is something Matt and I are always struggling with. Matt yeah. is like 100 times better than me at like saying like I should I need to make a short this is like something I, kind of how I want to define my voice I'm going to go make it and I say the exact same thing but then I'm like oh there's a paying job or a paying gig like <laughs> and you were already getting paid to direct you know you did these big shows for YouTube Red and who where oh Lexus and everything what made you say like okay I'm not going to look for more jobs I'm not going to email the YouTube Red people and say hey what else do you guys have uh, I'm not going to just like get more acting jobs, but I'm going to sit down and I'm going to spend the time to write this, spend the time to shoot this, spend the time to pay for well, this. Like how how did you psych yourself out to <laughs> focus on that instead of the money stuff? Well, I mean, I, I, I live in an eternal panic. Also, I have a four and a half year old. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, so neither one <laughs> of those things doing? <laughs> helps you. Make she was two at the time or two. Yeah, two and a half. yeah, exactly. We had our friends watch our kid while we were doing this thing. This this particular short, I was just like, I, I, I just happened to be like, I, I love I think doing comedy. I love just making shit all the time with this particular short. I had just done glow. I had just done hyperlinked. Mm-hmm. I thought I was like I've done it I'm on a cool Netflix show and I just directed a whole fucking series and then it was crickets oh, <laughs> like sure. nobody called because there was nothing to show anybody right. and I just got into a deep panic wait why couldn't you show them hyperlinked or because it wasn't out yet it wasn't fully edited yet oh and what I about finished you- shooting it in 20 the early February 2017 and I couldn't show anybody anything and like I mean, if you want to get into it, it's like I finally did a multicam and I'm like, I'm ready. I, I, I did two, two episodes of multicam. Can I please direct multicam? They're like, we haven't seen it yet. So we can't hire you for this multicam. Sure. Well, do you have like, like reps Jesus that are trying to, that you are of, calling? Of, and- of course. But everyone's afraid to, to hire anybody. And I'm relatively new, even though I'm, I feel like I'm just sure. like another middle-aged lady trying to get a job. Sure, right. Yeah. But yeah, it, the control happened because of just the pure need to also because we knew we could do it it was one character one location uh we shot it in allison's apartment 
Um, and I guess you and, had your husband, you, Allison. You were like a mot- motivating each other. Yeah. And my husband and I have been making stuff for years. We worked for the nonprofit called Make It Work. Like we had this little, like tiny little shill that did all the Apple Sisters videos. And like we we did all of that ourselves. So we, we did everything from, you know, like for most of the things that I've shot in the past have been $500 or less. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, so like, I, it's like lunch and the the prop you need basically absolutely everything else is like okay i've worked at this bar called the varnish a real bar downtown in la very good yeah i'm like can we please shoot there they said yes okay so yeah so control uh, control is a hit right and then what happens then glow comes out and, and uh, oh, Glow hadn't been out yet at right. this point. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. So, so people out. in town know that it's going to be good, maybe, but like nobody but not, knows anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I couldn't. I couldn't get. I couldn't be arrested after the first. Like yeah, I yeah. shot the first season of Glow. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was like, I, you I were do literally like, soliciting people to finance your <laughs> yeah, short films yeah, on Craigslist, and yeah, you sure. couldn't get arrested. Craigslist, yes. I I really I was begging my like I'm like I just did a whole series and I just did this TV show which we weren't being paid very much it was like like very low scale mm-hmm. like yeah. under four thousand dollars you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah. Um, a week <laughs> per episode uh, we didn't know we only got tra- contracted for three episodes which became four which became all ten like it wasn't it wasn't like this is the money job that was yeah, gonna yeah. change my life it was just like I hope it's good yeah and you also don't you know? know if there's gonna be another season or any of yeah. that stuff so yeah. that money has to last. You know, yeah. a while, right? Uh-huh. You're so, like, this show can't be good. I mean, Mark Marin, who's a, a podcaster. <laughs> Podcasters rule the world. So Glow comes out. It, it's uh, like bigger than we ever expected. And I decided like I was going to use that opportunity to get an agent because I'd only been with a manager at that time. A so, directing agent. Uh, or an- oh, just an agent in general. Like I had, I'd been early in my career. I was with the UTA. And I left them because I was frustrated. And then, so I didn't have an agent for a long time. And so after first season of Glow, I was like, let me just go ahead and sure, get an yeah. agent now, again. Now is the time to go get an agent. Yeah. Right. Which so, I think listeners at home will be like, wait, what are you talking about? But like, like you can be on a, yeah, on an entire season of a show and not have an agent yet. Yeah. That's very, and, very and true. And save 10% of that money. Yes. Put yes. that back in your pocket. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, like the first season, of, I mean, I was cast because of my live performance in New York. The casting director knew Rebecca and I from the Apple Sisters mm-hmm. in New York City. That's why we were brought in. So sure. yeah, you know, which is the reason you do that stuff besides loving comedy and all that. That's stuff. right. But like, yeah, you know, like, the relationships you yeah. build. I mean, it was a ten-year relationship, and it was nice ever to think of us. So it changed it changed our lives. Jen Houston, shout out. Yeah. So Glow comes out, and so then I get my agents and I say I want to be a director I don't want to go out for acting stuff anymore and they were like okay and then uh, my agent uh, ended up at Gersh and so she got me my first so when I said I want to be a TV director and a film director and I got my first job at Just Add Magic, a Amazon show. Oh, sure. Show. Yeah. I've so, driven past the billboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I got an episode of the spinoff of Just Add Magic. Okay. I mean, off of your short? Off of my short film. Oh, yes. wow. Since I had worked with 12-year-olds on Hyperlinked, and then, which was a very, it was originally Hyperlinked was bought by Disney. So it was a Disney show, which, um, like, I love i love kids i love kids television but like i 
don't I like I I just didn't want to get stuck in that world. Sure, it's it's like its own ecosystem. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And there's Which, only so much work to ha- to be had. Yes, right? and it, and typically like women get stuck in that world because they're like, "You're a mom, you can talk sure. to kids." Right, right, right. So I I was afraid of it to be honest with you. But the show's really cool. Joe Nussbaum, who's one of the EPs, oh, yeah, yeah, and he, he didn't. Uh, the, the Star Wars um, short film, the Spiel- George, Lucas the, uh, Love. George Lucas and Love. Oh, a great yeah. short, it so is funny, classic, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so he and Andrew Ornstein gave me my first. Who's doing Ghostwriter now um, on Amazon or Apple TV Plus? Um, they gave me my first shot at a DGA gig. So that still has not come out, and <laughs> I shot that three years ago, I think, or two, year, two years ago. That's Just That Magic? Yeah, Just That Magic. It'll be the spinoff. But that was my first DGA gig, and then I posted about it online, got a, uh, immediately my friend from, I worked on a show called Not Safe with Nikki Glaser. I was a digital uh-huh. producer for oh, that. Sure, so yeah. I was directing all their Snapchat content, all their digital content, and he reached out, and he was working on Joel McHale's show. He's like, do you want to do some segments for Joel McHale's show? And then did that with Paul Feig and that was like you know it just kind of like and and then it's really just like then then it was it's 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 not like uh it's not like it's like I'm on a roll all the time sure but but it it definitely that that's how it started and like I think just uh, I I definitely think glow the exposure from glow being an actor is the thing that really helped propel my directing career which is a weird, strange thing to say and not sure. helpful <laughs> and did <laughs> that inter- but, but no your directors but out there there is there is the <laughs> the thing because i remember being like jealous of like stand-up comics who were also great writers and being like well of course they're gonna get staffed like if you see someone set or like they did a conan spot or whatever yeah. and you're like flipping through pages and you're like oh i just saw them they're so funny but that's just another way of saying a type of exposure so there's a lot of different ways to get exposure and put like, yourself out there put i think it's the, o- the, exactly. the real lesson of it it's yeah. like just like just put some shit out on the internet or like do just do a storytelling show like right. you don't know and also i heard that is. like there's a mandate that they're trying to get more wrestlers to direct yeah so. uh, absolutely <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> There's like a new um, ABC diversity program that's just sure, for wrestlers. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean they also take like bungee ABC, jumpers. W. And, uh, yeah, it's all motorcross. It's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, I um, so I did a series called Timeline for Echo. It's a platform that's an interactive yeah. platform. I did it last year. Is it out already? Not yet. Okay. I hope it comes out one day. <laughs> Was it something you pitched or they you no, distracted? No, this, this uh, great writer, Neil Dusadeau, wrote it. And it was produced by Olive Bridge, which is Will Gluck's production mm-hmm. company. So I got hired to do that series. And we shot uh, 180 pages in 19 days. Right. And it's going to be uh, seven minutes when you watch yeah. it. Yeah. That's right. Right? Because it's 180 you're different just, options. You're cutting me to the core. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. We've, we, we've, Matt and I have talked yeah. to Echo many times. Yeah, yeah. It's always like, wait, how much do you have to shoot really, and, and edit Let's for? Let's sidebar about that. <laughs> um, uh, but. Um, we had um, Sandeep Parikh. Sandeep you know Parikh and oh, Andrew yeah. Reimer. The moment, that moment. Yeah, that, that was also an Olive Bridge and, production. And uh, Mercedes Bryce Morgan also yeah. did a. Oh, oh right. She did yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, you know, they're going around, you know. Yeah. But I did that series, and um, Will Gluck saw the pilot of that show, and uh, somebody from Screen Jobs had asked him to direct this movie, and he said, You should dir- hire Kimmy Gateway. <laughs> Cool. 
and and then I had to fight. I had to fight my way into that job. So I put together a. Do you know book. who you were pitching against? I don't know. I know that she knew. Uh, like, what's do, his name? You um, know, there was somebody else it, in the huh? mix. Yeah, there was one other woman I was pitching against. Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen. Thank you. So she had I had a recommendation for Sasha Baron Cohen, and I was like, Oh God. <laughs> That's a pretty good wreck. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. But I had Will Gluck. I mean, you know, he saved Sony with um, uh, Peter Rabbit. I put together a about a 35-page pitch deck. So what do you get? You just get the script or do you get like, are, is there a cast attached or anything? No, it's just a script. And I how much together. time do you have between when you get the script and when you have to present your pitch? I think I had... I, like they're like can you come in next week and I said I need two weeks so I, I said the amount of time that I needed so I I ripped a bunch of movies put together a rip reel as well and thank god I can edit but I needed a young person to actually rip the movies for me <laughs> <laughs> I was like how like, do you, how do you take a thousand dollars from with iTunes <laughs> yeah you, you had went, your, your Netflix DVD collection <laughs> I went to the library and I a bunch of things and I stole some trailers and it's it's it, I mean I know I've heard that people put together like 15,000 they spend $15,000 on these things oh, and no. like oh like they hire someone yeah they hire somebody I mean it's mostly writers that do that that spend the $15,000 but yeah, yeah. hey I guys afford to um, do that. I'll do that for $15,000 know automatic. so what lessons did you take from that experience this feature experience the, the, uh-huh. that first feature experience into the new one now uh-huh. that because this next one's getting made, right? This like, next one's getting made. It's a million dollar movie. So great. it's um, indie film or in, uh, indie. Yeah, it's indie film. It's produced by Han West at Meridian, who did Lemon with Janixa Bravo and uh, Brett Gelman, and um, produced by Burn Later, who've done a lot of features sure. as well. And it's written and starring Eliza Schlesinger, who's a comedian. Oh, cool. And I'm very very excited to be doing it did you know her before this i didn't know her before this the script was given to me uh sent to me Uh, i just after the sony picture i got i love that i'm calling it a picture i'm sorry to everyone (laughs) it's just who i am now um (laughs) well they are called sony pictures yeah but after that i i was i was sent a lot more features which is is something that is so hard to break into i can't express the luck that i got well, there's and just the, so few made. Right? Yes, there's so few made, and how lucky I am to have met Will Gluck. But I was sent a lot of a lot of movies, and this one was sent to me, and it really just sparked something in me. I got excited about it. It's kind of like a rom com mixed with a thriller, based on a true story. So, like, really reaching deep into like the like solo performer stuff we were talking about earlier, like getting a person's real story and. Um, I love writer performers being one, you know. I mean, she's also like one of the funniest people. She's so funny. In yeah. America right now. Yeah. She's a national treasure. <laughs> but she's been trying to get this movie made for a long time. But yeah, she has a couple of uh, obviously Netflix specials now and she's got a TV show. She's going to do a sketch sure. show. She's and, a phenomenon. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, but she's been trying to get this movie made forever. And uh, we met. We really hit it off right away. And... I just saw what the movie was going to be and we were supposed to do it in July and then we lost the funding th- uh, about five weeks out of shooting. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, did you have to fight as hard to get that? Like, did you make the Ripomatic and the lookbook and the pr- like 20 pitch practices and 30 people in the room pitching with you? No. <laughs> Here's what happened with that movie. 
I found out about like maybe three days before and I was like, oh crap. And so I put together a document and went into this meeting and told them what I thought and left the meeting. I was like, well, I didn't get that. Oh, well. <laughs> and they got a call and said, you got the movie. <laughs> You're going to be And that was that. Yes. You, there was no like coffee or a follow up or. I had to go to, Indi- like- I had to go into, um, I had to do one other meeting and I brought like, I made a little like five, pa- I had only had time to do like a little five page book together, but yeah. But that was it. Sometimes five is the magic number. Yeah. There. You know, like you can. You can throw it was just like a couple of images yeah. of like, okay, just so that they're like, you have a vision for it. And like, you know, you can talk right. all you want, but yeah. people just need to see images of what you're thinking so that you're not. But also, don't you weird. find that like when you're kind of starting out in your career trying to pitch for these jobs, you're like, you're not that good at like saying unique things succinctly to people right <laughs> it's like when you start out it's very easy to be like oh the characters are gonna be so multi-dimensional right you can just say all this super generic stuff right <laughs> but it, but it's easy to show images and like to to make material to show people that you're a filmmaker but the longer you do it the better you get at like saying like hey this is like just being yourself and realizing like this is why i really like this project and it reminds me of this thing and here's how I connect with it. And like, it just makes me think of this one image and that's like what the movie's about. Right. And like, that yeah. might be as powerful as this like $15,000 ripomatic <laughs> from every movie from your library. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, it depends I, yeah, on the movie too. Yeah. I imagine I've like overshared in movie pitches before. And I was like, I've just, I like, I knew it was happening. It was coming out of my mouth. And I was like, I'm oversharing right now. <laughs> like why I personally connect to something. I think it's just like, whatever timing balance, all that stuff. it's such a mystery why we get jobs really sure i've been on a bus that can't go less than 60 miles per hour (laughs) else i'll blow up yeah yeah please get out of my office (laughs) (laughs) um well cool so that's your next project that's my next project and you're also doing glow season four yeah glow season four and then I just did two episodes of a show called Helpsters, which is a Sesame Workshop Apple TV Plus joint. And now are they, are you just getting, are you like on these lists where people? I don't think so. That's, that's the thing. I'm still really hustling to try to get jobs in and television. What are you doing to hustle to get those jobs? Well, I know because I'm a performer and a writer. Uh, I just, uh, my Rallison, who's in control, we just sh- sold a movie to Amazon, which oh, is exciting. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. That's so, so awesome. We're, we're to trying say to. Allison is in control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Seriously. But we're, uh, we're still like, we're ever, I mean, the hustle never stops. And what am I doing to hustle? I'm reaching out to showrunners of shows that I know and saying I like, would love to be on your show. And sometimes they're like, yes, we have a slot for you or, oh, no, they're all filled or. But you're not doing that through your agent. You're no. reaching out personally. personally. Yeah. I, yeah. My agents are working for me, obviously. Sure. But I find that Crazy Ex- uh, so Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was because I had a personal relationship with Rachel. Uh, Helpsters was I knew this woman at Amazon who did Just Add Magic and I, I put out kind of an SOS when I was like all my movies fell through. I was like, I need, I need a job. And she was kind enough to like put me up for this job. And then Babysitter's Club, which I just did, was one of the writers from Glow. Yeah. There so you go. I wouldn't say that it's like this, all of a sudden you're put on lists. It's all personal relationships. So yeah. don't be a dick. Right. And don't <laughs> and also don't worry about the agent, right? Yeah. Because once yeah. you have the agent it doesn't really change much except for 
you can maybe use their name and you can get some meetings and they can negotiate for you, but they're yeah. not going to make things happen in the way that you can for yourself. Right. I mean, my my philosophy in my career is I, I only want to work with people I like and know personally. So, like, I continue to just try to do that myself. And, like, it's definitely nice for the agent. Like, I've met a lot of awesome people that I wouldn't have met before. But, like, they can't ultimately get me the job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you have to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And they can put me up for 100 jobs. And, like, I had a really bad job interview like i was in montreal my short consent had just won like first place this past year the adjust for last comedy festival and i was on the phone with this guy and i'm like we were supposed to meet in person but the phone you know what i mean but you had to do a phone and phone interviews never do they're they're always terrible and i was so sad i didn't get the job but (laughs) but i was like the show is so cool i feel like such a loser (laughs) but like at a festival that you're that i just won yeah Yeah, yeah. that's a prestigious fancy festival and i'm sure (laughs) you have like plenty of friends there as well it's like you should be having a great time yeah but i hadn't met the guy like i didn't know we didn't have any people in common oh interesting you know like it was just such a bummer. I was so supremely bummed. But, yeah. you know, it is a constant contradiction of feelings. And no matter how much you think people have succeeded, they're all, there's always just like... I mean, I even look at like uh, Edgar Wright's... Uh, he was just posting about the um, Spaced, the TV show, like 20 years uh, Yeah, the anniversary 20 year anniversary. Yeah, yeah. And you look at the cast from that and the writers from that and the crew from that, and they all been working together for that many years. years. Yeah, yeah. So... It's like really just goes to show you that, you know, you find your people and like if you can succeed together. Sure. Like. Just all get super famous together. Oh, just get, <laughs> let me just say, it's so easy. <laughs> can I ask you one last question? Sure. About, so now you're kind of, I mean, you said you're not on a roll, but you kind of are on a roll in, in TV. You know, you, you've done network TV, you've done cable TV, you've done yeah. Apple TV, the latest and greatest. Streaming. TV. Um, <laughs> Premi- premium streaming. Which, yeah, you know what, though, I would say now, like, which to took be fair, all the Emmys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, now now I think there's premium streaming and network are lumped together in most ways. For sure. I, I would say, like, yeah, like the, the same people are kind of fielding both things. Whereas, like, basic cable is still not premium, quote unquote, in the same way that, say, a Netflix is, you yeah. Know, Netflix so four is by a, is three. A, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, but yeah. so, so you have, you've had all these DGA jobs where you're yeah. getting DGA minimum to direct health insurance, these, baby. TV in health insurance and all that stuff. What makes you say like, hey, I'm going to take myself out of the running for TV to go do this million dollar feature that like you are probably going to make a lot less money on? Like, what's what? It, why it is, is it important to make a feature that's not a twenty million dollar feature? I think it's important to make a feature because it's where the director truly has all of the say, most of the say, mm-hmm. especially an independent $1 million feature. You can really get to, like, yeah. I did. You're the boss. It's like yeah. a feature version of a yeah. short. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And I prefer a set where I can be bringing in the people in the crew that I want to work with more than, like, I, I, I really do love television, but you are just a guest in their house. And um, you want to build the house. Me, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, girl, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I just like I, I definitely like I, I want to be the one to create the tone and the, the feel and the look and all that stuff. And I, I, I want to be truly kind of 
hopefully in charge-ish mostly. Yeah, <laughs> you man. know how this all or works? Or collaborating, but yeah. in a way where your decision isn't can't be trumped by yeah. some writer. Yeah. And I also, I just, I want to... I want to be a player in in the film world because I feel like that's where you can truly start making change in terms of storytelling. And that's why I got into it is because I wanted to see, just like the original Odd Couple that I did in college, I wanted to lift up women's voices in comedy. And this is the only way that I kind of know how to do it truly and just find different actors and cast different people and make sure that there's a colorful palette of people because in you do have control of what happens on screen, so just representing different kinds of voices. And I feel like it's my responsibility as a woman in this industry to just try my best to get behind the camera so that I can make some changes. Because as an actor, I'm just going to be fighting for the same part as every other girl. As everybody else. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Well, that's, that's well. some full circle storytelling right there, Kimmy. <laughs> Yeah. Did a lot of solo shows. You yeah, guys. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to learn how yeah. to bring it back <laughs> yeah. to the beginning. A lot of improv. You got to call yeah, back. Exactly. Edit, blackout. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, blackout. There you go. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, before we blackout, can you hang out with us for to give us some unpaid endorsements? Sure, sure. Of course. Unpaid endorsements. I've got kind of a small re-endorsement, but uh, I'm going to double down on it. There's a podcast that I love that I've talked about enough called Imaginary Worlds. It's a, about kind of like um, sci-fi and like nerd stuff, basically. It's like a podcast. It's like the smartest podcast about like why you like or are interested by uh, invented, fabricated worlds, basically. And they did a crossover episode with another podcast, 20,000 Hertz, which is the sound podcast, where they'll yeah. kind of like Ooh. break down. Call it 20 kilohertz, but yeah. Uh, well, the, they wrote it out as 20,000 Hertz. Well. Every, everybody hurts but so they did one or you're gonna love this the episode is called the bouge which is a reference to the kind of like almost like subliminal oh, the radio low, voice l- no no the um the oh. that they use in trailers <laughs> the sound effect yeah so like it's a yeah. trailer hit. The, the trailer hit of like and it's called the bouge the bo- that's what they call it oh the i bouge. love it and so they talk it's just about the sound design of and language of trailers so oh. Just I like would a, love that's to. like a deep bass. Just yeah. I was yeah, literally, yeah. while you started making your endorsement, I was like, I bet people only listen to my endorsements. But then by the time you got to the end of your endorsement, I was like, wow, I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is guy's a 100% special. trouble. <laughs> just uh, have an honesty problem. <laughs> so the is bouge. that what they call it now? Yeah. Honesty? <laughs> an honesty problem. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so cool, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's pretty solid. The bouge on imaginary worlds is the so episode. It, it's yeah. it's on the imaginary worlds. That podcast. sound yeah. effect is my favorite, next to the like airlock sound. Like it's oh. just like, yeah, there's like a, a like, release. Like, love pre- love a whoosh release. and a. You yeah, know? <laughs> you know what I love actually is like I love like little video game sound effects. Like more no like, less glitches. Bleeps. More like a like when you get um. The oh. coin in Mario, like the bling, bloop, like they're oh. almost like little chimes I'll use sometimes. That oh. stuff is fun. A ding? Yeah. Yeah. What sucks is like the best dings, they're usually called bells. And there's just so many bells when you're like looking for sound effects. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to find the right one. I, I still have this old Apple sound effects library that I don't know where it came from, yeah, but, but Soundtrack it's all Pro. free. It's for before that. Pre-Soundtrack Pro? Yeah. It's before that. I don't know where it came from, but it's all free. And I 
have you're probably using with illegal me. at this point i think it is sound effects <laughs> what is that I'm audio jungle sure, sure. <laughs> pond uh, five <laughs> <laughs> well somebody's had to have uh, recommended this but uh there's Friends. a book called america's women by gail collins new york times bestseller oh, no fantastic Kimmy, this is book. the first time yeah fantastic. america's women my wife has it it's a wonderful book you can also listen to it it's a great it's a great book just talking about how uh it's fiction or non-fiction (laughs) non-fiction america's women all a fiction fiction book (laughs) well i mean 20th century (laughs) women is a fiction i see see what you're saying no it's a non-fiction book about the history of women just basically looking at modern history through women's perspective and Maybe some reasons why there's unequal pay. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Um, and the women's suffrage uh, movement, how it kind of came about. It's really fantastic. Can I ask, have you yeah. listened to it or did you read it? I listened to it. And did you like the audiobook I experience? Did. I did like the audiobook experience. Yeah. Another, like the, the LA Public Library has an app called Libby. Are sure, you guys familiar? I, I yeah. Only vaguely. Yeah. It's it's a free free audiobooks. It's like Audible but for free. For free. Yeah. But yeah. you need a library card. Right. Yeah, you need a library LA County library card, but you can download audiobooks for free, which is a life changer in LA where you drive so much. I was getting so frustrated at the the like the lack of reading that I was doing. Sure, yeah. And it's weird to listen and say I read a book. I'm ashamed, honestly. Well, but but, but like if it, they're essays and if it's episodic, I think it that's a easier experience than like I find like fiction is so hard for me. Like if it's like a long book, I just, I just don't absorb it. But like, it sounds like nonfiction is always something that's more appealing to me. That's why I asked like, if you liked the audiobook experience. I did very much. So yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a terrific listen, I guess you'd say. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And also, um, I saw when I was in New York city, I was there for about a month and I was, a little over a month. I went. Uh, I saw Jackie Novak show. Get on your knees. Then I went to a um, ice cream store called the Big Big Gay Ice Cream Store. I think. And they then, have one here now. I think oh, as well. So good. And then the last thing I did was we went to this bar. It was all in the same block. Last thing I went to was a place where they only sang Broadway songs, <laughs> <laughs> and there was no filming allowed. And people were just like, "Turn it off!" Like, it Jimmy, was, you had a New York night. Oh man, did I ever! Yeah. Then I saw Cuban jazz. So <laughs> everybody, get down. Yeah, you are back in time. <laughs> so this is not my endorsement, but. You know the new iOS 13, the new like operating system for iPhone? Mm-hmm. I guess it has like a new feature that helps track how much you're reading because if you use the Books app or something and you can oh. have these like reading goals, like I want to read 15 minutes a day. And I'm only mentioning it because I didn't realize that that is a thing people do, but you mentioned it like that it's so hard to read. And we had Rebecca Green on, who the, the producer, who talked about how reading is like so important and she, yeah. like that none of the people she talks to like read, but they all want to be writers. Um, yeah, yeah. But read what though? Because I read thousands of pages of scripts. Sure, sure. But I don't. Rebecca read books. means Rebecca means books. Yeah, yeah she yeah. means books. Like literature. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but, and she's very smart. So it was like, well, huh, yeah, this but, smart person is <laughs> right. But I so when I saw that. someone listing off the new features of iOS 13, and one of them is like a, you know, basically you can set goals for how much to read a day. I was like, oh, interesting. Like, does reading the New York Times not count towards that? But I guess not. 
Um, but anyway, my endorsement. Shame on you for reading <laughs> uh, news instead yeah. of books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know the problem with reading news. I like my like, stories. Okay. You're only reading the same thing over and over. Sure. Um, but uh, we have a, this insane mosquito epidemic in L.A. We've never had mosquitoes <sighs> in L.A. It's the nightmare. And in the last three years, it's been. I literally can't go into my backyard. They like love me. When mm-hmm. we were in Italy too, they were. It was out of control. Brag. There's something about Brag. me, and it's not my blood type. I'm A positive, and O <laughs> was, I guess, the one that they really like. But uh, so we got this. I have like a mosquito trap in the back. I have like all, I've done all the things you're supposed to do vector control, fogging, everything. But so now I'm just treating the problem, which is the mosquito bites. And my mm. wife had told me about this thing called the bug bite thing that she had heard of. It's, that's what it's called, the bug bite thing. And I bought one on Amazon and it's like this thing when you get a bug bite, it sucks the venom out of it. It works for like spiders and those like the fly, the venomous flies and uh, oh. anything, but also on mosquitoes. But it, it, I don't know if it like works or if it's just so painful. I'll let you guys try it out after the podcast um, that you just forget about the pain of like the mosquito bite. Wait, so describe this thing because I, I was originally imagining just like a... Like a suction cup of some sort, you know. I'm um, fully picturing a hypodermic needle. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, I, I was are... thinking of like you know the thing like you used to snuck, uh, suck snot out of like a toddler's. Right, nose. like this is like a sea urchin, and people are like yeah, yeah. peeing on you yeah, and sure. then sucking something. Out. Yeah, yeah. He's getting it. Yeah, He's yeah, showing okay. it to yeah. us. I can't wait. No, you guys are both totally right. But it's um, it's like a syringe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this and, looks um, like a like if you were gonna pipe a maybe not to pipe a cake, but like don't put it on you. Oh God. <laughs> But now I've kind of like grown addicted to the to the pain from oh, it. It like it really hurts. hurts the first time you use. It. Yeah, this it kind of hurts. This has got a real curveball of a, um, of a you, can, you can turn the tip around if it's like a small mosquito bite or a big mosquito bite. But it's like a, it's um, it's pretty cool. I like it. If you get a ton of mosquito bites, check it out. The bug bite thing. Okay, cool. Well, Kimmy, do you tweet? Instagram, how do people, how do yes. our listeners find out what you're up to? I'm at Kimmy Gatewood at K-I-M-M-Y-G-A-T-E-W-O-O-D. On everything? Yeah. Twitter, Instagram, Instagram. Twitter, Facebook. MySpace. I don't, Never. I don't know. I started off on MySpace. That's how MC Frontalot got famous on sure, MySpace. That's true. Yeah, sure. And uh, so, still have mad respect for MySpace. But. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Kimmy. Thanks, uh, guys. I, I, I really, you were right. I, I do feel like I, I bored both of you to death with stories. No, no. No, no who said that? So, <laughs> I, I said that most of our guests will be like, are people going to like this? I talked a lot. And, yeah, oh, yeah. Exactly. And I'm like, yeah, like that, you're on a podcast about <laughs> nerdy industry stuff. So, like, people uh, don't care. Well, if you want to learn more about all the nerdy industry stuff that we talked about on the show, you can go to justshootitpod.com to check out all that stuff. Check out other shows, other episodes. And you can stay up to date with us on at justshootitpod across all social media and me at Mr. Matt Unmel. And I'm at O Kaplan on Instagram. This episode was edited by Sarah Weirda. Our producer is Madeline Rosewatt. Our webmaster is Ewan Williams. And the music you're listening to is from the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazard. Please leave us a review on iTunes, and we will catch you next time. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.